Welcome to Wanda's Ticks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And we are so excited to have Shaka Jamal joining us, um, having this yes, special yes. broadcast. Yes. <laughs> and and yes, I really thanks. like it. Um, Yes, really great always to hear from you. Um, you're going to be talking to us about the, uh, the Black History Month Cultural Exchange featuring South African artist Roots 2000. Um, and, yes. and who are Roots 2000? Roots 2000 uh, are a duo consisting of Nkolisi Lakwe and Ndiko Lele Mbali, who are from the Eastern Cape. You know, that's the, the land where Nelson Mandela comes from. And mm. um, they met around the year 2000 in Johannesburg uh, as they were leaving the Eastern Cape, coming to the City of Gold to fulfill their dreams um, to be musicians. And uh, they play guitar, harmonica, and they sing a, a style that they've coined um, Afro Soul, which um, mm. they are the South African pioneers of. Nice, yeah. You had an opportunity to watch some of your wonderful videos of them performing. Everybody was so excited. After the concert ended, people were still singing. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was a, a recent um, performance that uh, we did in Mozambique at a something called the Mozambique Music Meeting where they bring in booking agents, festival runners from all over Africa and Europe, and artists get a chance to perform right in front of them. And the crowd mm. sang the song, which is the song Aya Africa, which is our new single that we're um, going to be dropping, hopefully in all digital outlets within the next two to three weeks. And you can also find it right now. You can download it for free at roots2000music.com. And they actually sang the chorus of the song for about four or five minutes after they got off the stage. So sure it was an encore, <laughs> it was an encore, it was an encore that continued well after the show into the hallways mm -hmm. of the venue. So yeah, that was a beautiful moment. I was glad we were able to capture that on on the uh, on video. Mhm. Mm right. Yeah. And and you're um, a culturally innovative artist and filmmaker from Oakland, California. 
and your experience as filmmaker, director, cinematographer, editor, writer, performing artist, and music producer bring a distinctive and invaluable perspective to any venture. Um, you search for stories that reveal the unseen scars of everyday people and strive to reveal how that pain is transformed into a motivating force in their lives. Uh, your search, you search for stories of unification rather than division, yet still allow room for the bitterness of hardship to resonate as a beautiful truth. Uh, you're a graduate of Tuskegee University. <laughs> you're yes, you're, uh, you're uh, what do you call a legacy student, right? Like your mother and your father and maybe other ancestors. My my uh, <laughs> my, my, my mother went and uh, cousins and yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a legacy. Right, that's so cool. Yeah, because that's that's Booker T. Washington and um, George Washington Carver. George Washington. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had yeah, a chance they, to visit left. Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. And the Tuskegee Airmen. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a serious legacy down there. When you step onto the grounds of that university, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And so, yeah, and and there at Tuskegee, you earned a B.A. in history, and you received a Master's of Fine Arts in Cinema at San Francisco State University. Uh, Your passion is working with youth at grassroots level, guiding them on expressive paths of self-realization through media, through multimedia, and indigenous wisdom. Uh, Let's see. Um, You also... um, received um let's see oh no wait a second um you are the first filmmaker from oakland california to receive the game changers fellowship which led you to premiere a series of short documentaries in new york at harlem's schomburg center for research in black culture and your work has premiered both nationally and internationally on television and numerous film festivals and your website is olu8.com so tell us about um, how, because I, I think your tagline was something about bringing humanity through the arts or something like that. Anyway, sort of Dr. Wade Nobles talks about how it's all about being human, right? And that's one thing that people of African descent, African people, have remained human despite, you know, all of these different historic um, tributaries that we've gone through spiritually. So I want you to talk a little bit about you know, sort of your art making, particularly, you know, around the um, visual arts and, 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 and the consistency around, you know, the beauty that comes through the art, you know, that you make of our people. Yes, you know, that, that tagline, um, you know, powering humanity through film. Mm-hmm, my, yeah. my, my goal is really for us to be able to see ourselves through the film, right? Mm-hmm. For even for me to see aspects of myself within the film, with with all of my uh, flaws, but with all of my greatness also, and I, I want that to be seen by the audience also, so that they are inspired by what they see, by what they hear, but it also becomes humbling to to know that we are all human. We all make mistakes, but we all have the opportunity to get back up and to do it again even even greater. And a lot of my work um, has dealt with revealing these stories 
of people from Oakland. Like the particular fellowship with Game Changers, part of the fellowship was to tell stories about black men in Oakland that aren't recognized by mainstream media and society. And um, that actually led to being screened at, at the Schomburg. And for me, as a person who's raised in Oakland since I was in elementary school, it even opened up my eyes. I said, oh, these are people out here doing this work. Like, I thought I knew Oakland. But I was actually able to walk through doors that I didn't even know existed and see the impact that these black men were making here in Oakland. One of them was actually um, 1968 gold medal Olympian Tommy Smith, you know, the brother who put his fist up along with John Carlos at the Mm -hmm. Mexico Olympics, who actually has a program here in Oakland that teaches kids track and field, teach them how to empower themselves, right at McClyman's High School, and I didn't even know about it. Got a chance to meet that that legendary man and have an interview with him. Uh, another one was about um, Reginald Savage, who's the the chair of the yeah. dance department at o- Oakland School of the Arts, right? Who's doing some some mm-hmm. beautiful work over there. And uh, also, one was one of the acrobatic dunkers for the Warriors, uh, Jesus mm-hmm. L. And uh, the free classes, acrobatic classes he's giving to young young people here in Oakland, you know, as he pursues his own dream. So that that you know, stories like that, where you can say, I didn't even know that existed. You know, that those are the type of stories that I'm looking for um, that can bring inspiration to our people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so how how did you happen to um uh, meet these brothers, um, these these artists in in South Africa, and and it's really oh. interesting. Um, the IA Africa Roots 2000 um, logo is Africa turned upside down, and that's really interesting. It looks it's pretty cool, and I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about you know these artists and. In this logo, <laughs> and um, uh, and the music and 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 this tour, which I'm really excited about. Well, it's it's a great story. I, I was originally, um, like we talked about, I went to Tuskegee University, and yeah. my junior year, I had decided that I didn't want to get a nine to five. I knew that with my history degree, I was going to need to go to school even longer, and I. I knew I needed to do something a little different, and I walked into the history department on the wall. They say, do you love travel and education and everything like that? And it was a Peace Corps little postcard. It said, fill this out to send you the information. A year later, going back and forth for interviews, and a month after I graduated, they sent me a letter in the mail and said, you have 10 days to say yes or no. You've been chosen to go to South Africa. Oh. So... I called one of my South African friends who lived here in Oakland who worked with my mom, Tilavali Chivasi. Yeah. I was like, should I go? I was like, should I go? He was like, hell yeah, you should go. So three <laughs> months after after graduating from Tuskegee, I was in South Africa in the Peace Corps in the Limpopo mm. province as a community resource volunteer and doing curriculum work in primary schools, HIV, AIDS, and malaria education, as as well as library development. 
and um, I had a, a, a girlfriend that used to take me to Johannesburg and show me everything that they had there. You know, they called Johannesburg the city of gold. And this would be a serious trip. You know, sometimes it, it could take up to seven to nine hours um, to travel from the northern province Limpopo down to Johannesburg. And there used to be this place called Monday Blues. It was an open mic um, that they did every Monday night. And we went to this place. And there I saw these two guys up there killing it on the microphone, right? Mm -hmm. Just two guys, a guitar and a harmonica singing their hearts out. And around that time I started doing my first recordings and I had always done some writing. And I was like, one day I'm going to work with these guys. Mm. And there was another brother from L.A. who actually lives here in Oakland, Adimu Majun, who was also in the, in the Peace Corps that I had met around that same time. Um, we finished the Peace Corps. I came back here to Oakland on Ninth and Peralta. In the bottoms, I learned how to edit film. And after that year, we decided to go back to South Africa for just two-week vacation just to reconnect with our people. But I was like, yo, we got to connect with these cats called Roots 2000. They, they, they're on our type of vibe. And we get there, and we see one of them, um, Slick Angel, uh, walking down the street. And I said, there he goes. And we met him, ended up meeting Nkolisi, um, or they call him MXO. And that two-week vacation ended up being a whole year in South Africa. Oh. Right? Wow. And um, worked on my uh, first documentary and got music on the documentary uh, called Kola Kodeni, uh, which is about um, male circumcision ceremonies in contemporary Africa. Um, worked on albums with these guys, shot my first three, four music videos. And that was, you know, in my, in my mid-20s. And it was um, some pretty formative in terms of launching my career as a filmmaker, musician, as an artist, and, and educator. And now, you know, 16 years later, we've, we've re reconnected um, through some work that they've been doing with uh, Dimu Majun, also known as Wolfhawk Jaguar, um, on, a, on some films and music. And we're continuing to build and see if we can, you know, create as many projects as we can to inspire the people, you know. So this one um, chance circumstance happened to meet these guys and we've become, you know, great friends. Um, but also collaborators in, in, in music and, and in business. And um, it, it's definitely been a, a fun ride. And when you talk about that upside-down Africa, where we say upside-down, mm -hmm. you know, part of the concept is, for one, with this I Yeah Africa single and, and album, we're really about the unification of African, Africans in Africa and Africans all around the world, right? Sometimes in mm -hmm. some of the languages, you say I Yeah, that just means like, yo, I hear you, I see you. It's a recognition mm -hmm of the person that's standing right in front of you, but it's also an exclamation of, of joy, right? Mm -hmm. And with that upside-down Africa is to bring a new perspective of who we are as Africans um, in Africa and in the diaspora. 
it also is rooted back to ancient Egypt and Kemet, where their perspective of how the world actually is is different than what we've been basically taught by the Europeans and their drawings of the maps, where Europe is at the top of the map, center of the map. It's even called a continent, and it's not even a continent, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the Nile is the only river that flows from south to north, right? So what they call Upper Egypt is the south, but, you know, Lower Egypt is what we would call north. So it's to bring that different perspective of what we're dealing with now, but also bring in that, that ancient perspective and technology into our everyday lives. And that's a part of what the their name, Roots 2000, is about, being rooted in our ancient traditions, but being futuristic in the present, right? That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about because the sound definitely has like a traditional South African um, Tulsa sound. Um, but it's also something else at the same time, you know, that mm-hmm. when you turn on your radio right now, you're like, oh, turn that up. That's going to be the jam this year, you know. <laughs> and, um, that, and, that's, and that's definitely what we're planning on right now with this particular single, and people that have heard it have been, have been moved by it. And mm-hmm. our, our goal mm-hmm. is to get as many people to hear it as possible, get as many people to download it, play it, come to the shows, you know, we got some T-shirts um, that mm. we're working on and a whole merchandise line of IA Africa and get it on commercials and movies, everything like that. So it's mm. really mm. been a, a a project that we've invested uh, our hearts and our souls in and um, definitely want to um, bring that joy of that creation, you know, to, to our people. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a what a great story. Um, you know, Peace Corps, you know, and then a whole year there. So our I I I heard, you know, I know you've got the accent, but do you do you actually speak any of the uh, languages of the region in South Africa? Well, when I we're being around both these guys that are that are close, I'm learning a few words here here and there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when I was in the, the Northern Province in the Peace Corps, the original time I was in the Peace Corps, it was a little over two years. They have a another um, tribe where I was learning the language, the Tsonga mm-hmm. people. I think on a level of one to five, maybe I was close to a three by the time I left. But uh, a lot mm-hmm. of it I've, I've, I've forgotten since I've come back to the States and, you know, not really utilized it as much. But I can, um, you know, I can at least greet people, say hello and everything like that and get around mm-hmm. with some of the basics. Right, yeah. Well, would you like would you like me to play um, uh, IA Africa and then we can come back and talk after that? Oh, yeah, that'll be great. Let let, let the people hear it. All righty. All right.
Afterwards, like, yeah, I see you, Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, just hearing that every time it it, may, it makes me feel good. You know, sometimes and you know, so it's a lot of work. You know, putting together an album and promoting, making sure everything is is lined up, um, building a, a team around it. And sometimes in the midst, when it gets a little stressful, I just have to turn on the, that song and just remind me um, how far we come with it and, and, and why we're doing it. Because it, we, mm-hmm. we're definitely it, it, it is for us, but it's, it's definitely um, medicine for the people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, do you have any dates lined up that people can plug in? Um, and then also, I know um, the tour is not. Like there's space in the tour for people to um, to actually get Roots 2000 on their um, you know in their programs. So tell us how you yes, do all yes. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so one of the main things that we're looking for right now is for people to come on and um, book them 
for for gigs. And what these gigs include are um, live performance um, and screening of uh, of a film that they co-produced with uh, Adimu Madjun called So Beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a combination of those. And, you know, people that are really looking for something unique to add to their Black History Month ceremonies or, you know, you just, you just want to um, have a show. Right now we are uh, signed up for um, two private shows uh, on the 6th um, and also on the 14th, right? Uh, we're going to be mm-hmm. at Oakland School of the Arts on the 11th doing a, uh, a master class there. So what's going to happen there, the students in the Oakland School of the Arts are going to learn the song, and then we're going to uh, perform it together um, and do do a little reading. Uh, we're going to be at the uh, Black Men's Determination Group and also mm-hmm. performing in the city. Um, but we definitely have some, some flexibility. Um, we're looking to go to colleges, schools, uh, corporations, you know, like the Black Googlers Network, everything like that, and um, mm-hmm. give them a show that, that they can definitely remember. Right, yeah. I, I think I saw something at MOAD. Um, is that uh... – Oh no, that already happened. <laughs> yeah, that one. That so yeah, idea. they were actually here. They were actually here in October, and um, it performed at the Moad Gala. Um, oh, that happened in October. Really? Nice. Yes, and also had a show at the. Uh, it was a combination show between Moad and Salesforce Tower. We were at the top of the Salesforce mm-hmm. Tower performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was definitely beautiful. It was definitely. Mm-hmm. It was definitely beautiful. And uh, wow. then we had Speaking yeah. of Beautiful, the name of the film, So Beautiful, that they um, co-produced mm-hmm. is about a brother from Oakland who travels to South Africa for the first time and mm-hmm. finds out where his name actually comes from. All right. So mm-hmm. it, it, definitely, it definitely is a, a story of Oakland and South Africa um, coming together, and I, I like to say that um, we're, we're bridging the gap that Willie Lynch broke. You know, mm-hmm. so it's definitely we're we're we're, we're brothers on um, distant relatives like Nas and Junior Gong would say. We're we're, we're coming from two different parts of the world and uh, bring bringing it together um, with brotherhood and sisterhood and, and with with the arts, um, but. If you're interested, you can give me a call, 510-912-2103. And you can also um, reach me at roots2000music at gmail.com. So either one of those is a way that uh, you can actually book them for for a show. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, well, you know, um, South Africa... Um, particularly uh, Johannesburg. Johannesburg has been compared to um, to Oakland in in a lot of ways. Oh. And um, and when I was in Johannesburg, I definitely <laughs> I understood, you know, sort of that you know that that analogy. And um, yeah, a friend of mine though, um, Vern, uh, Dr. Vern Cremati, um told me about that. He's at Contra Costa College, and I think he he did some research on that. But yeah, yeah, um there there's so many parallels between South Africa and the United oh, States. Um, you know, in a good definitely. way and in a bad way. A bad way in so far as, you know, apartheid and then a good way in that, you know, the people. 
Yes, and you know, and I think that's a uh, many South Africans or or many South Africans I know look up to Black Americans, and I know there's many Black mm-hmm. Americans that look up to South 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 Africans. We have mm-hmm. there's such a similar um, story in terms of our, our of our struggle for freedom. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. it's such a similar yeah. story in terms of our, the power of music and the role that plays in our freedom and our liberation in our in our daily lives. And I think that was one of the main things that has kept me closely linked to South Africa. You know, they have Robin Island mm-hmm. over here in the Bay. Uh, we have Alcatraz. <laughs> That's you right. Know, we we we've got uh, Martin Luther we King. We've got that question and, too. <laughs> <laughs> in San Quentin, we've got Martin Luther King and Geronimo Pratt. You know, they've mm-hmm. they've got um, mm-hmm. uh, Nelson Mandela and Steve Biko. You, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, like we were able to achieve some political freedom and independence in the '60s. Theirs happened to happen in the '90s, right? So mm-hmm. when I when I went there in the late 90s, I imagined that, oh, maybe this is what it felt like before I was born in the U.S. in the in the 60s mm-hmm. and the 70s because mm-hmm. people's political consciousness is quite astute in, in South Africa. And every day I could remember people talking about how to liberate themselves, right, and mm-hmm. reminding themselves that the, the, the struggle was not over. You know, mm-hmm. and listening to the music and listening to their the township jazz and how that was influenced by, you know, the the music coming out of the Harlem Renaissance, right? And mm-hmm. how Hugh, Hugh Masekela, Marion McKeever came to the states in, in exile, linked up with Kwame Ture. You know, there's just, there's just so many um, links um, that we have. And it, and uh, like you said, sometimes it could be bad or, or, or challenging or oppressive, but sometimes, you know, there, there, there's just so much hope and liberation that, that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, um, <clears throat> sort of in closing, and maybe we could definitely have a part two to this conversation, you know, once, you know, Roots 2000 are on the ground, um, about the prosperity movement. Um, yeah, why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about prosperity movement? So, so prosperity movement is a is a movement that was created by Dimu Madjun and his wife uh, Oshun Femi Wanberi, and um, they are definitely a big part of this collaboration with Roots Two Thousand, right? And the birth of it is having. And having and bringing positivity in one in one's own life, you know, always thinking in prosperity and abundance, whether it has to do with your family, your art, your community, and it's a, it's about the unification of uh, ourselves with our spirit, but also with the with the people around us. And um, right now, prosperity movement actually has a song out right now with uh, Adimu Majun, Wolfhawk Jaguar, and Slick Angel from Roots 2000 that you can find right now on iTunes. It's called Homecoming, you know, and that's what a piece of, you know, when I when I go back to South Africa, that's what it feels like. It's, it's Homecoming, right? Mm. The next single that's going to come out um, 
is going to be with MXO from Roots 2000 and Wolfhawk Jaguar, right, called Celebration, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's another one coming out with Slick Angel and Ocean <laughs> Femi One Beer, right, called, mm-hmm. called Destiny. You know, these, and then, you know, these power words is definitely about um, acknowledging the power of, uh, uh, of our words, the power of our, of our spirit, and connecting to our ancient indigenous wisdom, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a uh, – the prosperity movement is growing. And I uh, just want to throw, throw a shout-out to them for, um, you know, always, always being positive and um, giving us a, a bright outlook on, on life and, and, our, and our arts. So as a part of that, you know, when we come together and you book a show, you're able to get all of this together. You know, the the films from Prosperity Movement were so beautiful and the soundtrack and also a Roots 2000 performing, right? So all of these people come together to to to, to build that show. So mm. it's, def- it's definitely a, a beautiful thing. You're going you're gonna to have to have him on the show too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We'll have to um, set that up <laughs> for the very near future. De- de- definitely, and I know you got to get off, but you remember, uh, Demo and I actually was it probably about maybe fifteen years ago, um, <laughs> were a part of your film festival, the Maafa Film Festival, with our first films and music videos we were a part of in South Africa. You know, mm-hmm. and Roots right. Two Thousand was actually in that documentary. Really? You know, so, yeah. If you, if you, I don't know if you still have a copy, but if you go look back, they are actually, they are actually in there, and it, it even um, had some of their solo songs. So even though they are Roots 2000, they didn't have any music videos there, but it definitely has Slick Angels' first single that we shot, MXO's mm-hmm. first single that we shot. So this is definitely. Um, like a like a family reunion that's going to be happening with this trip. Oh wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I've I've known you and um, Wolfhawk Jaguar Dimu Majun for a long time, and and just watch your work just expand and increase, and just oh man, it's just so beautiful becoming you know sort of a diaspora movement, and so it's been really wonderful um, to you know. To know you and to call you a friend and and your family and it's just it's just really beautiful things. So, but I didn't know about what you just told me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember yeah, well, either. So no, no, I don't have a copy of the film. I think um, we showed it and gave it back. But um, yeah, I would love to see that Let me, let me see again. if I can if I can work <laughs> on it. You know that thing's probably in the vault somewhere. Let me see if I can find a copy and, and get that to you so we can reminisce a little bit. That would be really nice. Yeah, that would be really awesome. And could you send me links to um, Homecoming and um, and uh, uh, Kalila's um, film that you, I mean, uh, song that you mentioned, okay. so I could play those too. Okay, I'll send you Homecoming is out now. I'll send you okay. links to that. Destiny should be out within the next two to three weeks. We are working okay. on our digital distribution right now, and you know, Prosperity Movement. Um, has just signed a, a digital distribution deal, and um, Good. a lot of work is going to be coming through there also. Okay, super. All righty. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, I have a guest from um, uh, Greedy City Theater, um, the 
director and co-director in the studio and and, uh, and this nice. conversation really ties in well to what Robert Page and Lindsay uh, uh, Crumbin uh, are going to be talking about. They uh, they have a new piece up now called Black Salt, uh, which looks at oh, nice. police brutality. Yeah, yeah, in Oakland. <laughs> in Oakland. Mm-hmm. In Oakland. <laughs> All, right. All right. Hello. Well, you take good care. Uh, yeah, well, Definitely. let me let me um, let me uh, let me unmute them so they can say hi. <laughs> okay. So Lindsay Hello there. and good uh, Robert, you can say hi. Yeah. Good, yeah. good morning. Good rising. How you doing out there? How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. It's going good. It's going good. It's a it's a good day. Like my dad said, it's a good day. It's only going to get better. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hi, you take good care, Shaka. Hi, Lindsay. For sure. Good morning. Good morning, Hey, hey Shaka. How you doing? Good, How you me? doing? Good, good. It's Rob from um, Urban, uh, United Roof. Oh, what's up? What's up? What's going on? <laughs> How you doing? What's going on with you? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We in the right place. We 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 right. here. Yeah. With, um, we're here with our sister Wanda Severe, so you know it's all good. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to the song. <laughs> I, like, I, I know this right, man. I recognize this guy. Ah, uh, for sure. Oh, that's yeah, wonderful yeah. that you all have a connection. That's yeah. really super. Right. <laughs> definitely. More world. Yeah. Definitely. You know everybody definitely. related in you know everybody related in Oakland. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Open eight, open eight, I did. That's right. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'm gonna get on with um with Robert and Lindsay. Um, Lindsay. Um, so Shaka, let's until we talk again in the very near future. Thank yeah, you so anytime, much. Anytime. Anytime. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Shaka. Peace. Oh, good morning, Robert and Lindsay. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, How you doing? Wow. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, when I saw the name Black Salt, you know, the title of Greedy City Reps Youth Theater's current production, which is selling out, um, but people can still show up and and somebody might not show up, and then you can get a ticket. <laughs> like I was so lucky, you know, to get a ticket, you know, last week on Saturday. But when I saw Black Salt, I just thought ritual. You know, I thought, you know, the spelling, you know, energies, you know, that might not be that great using that Black Salt to do magic. And um, and then I was reading, you know, this really, wow, well-written program. It's like a little book. <laughs> I mean, it's so well done. Like, look at this, like, all this great information. I mean, literally. And then I was just wondering about the black salt part. Like, where was the black salt in the theater so that we could, like, sprinkle it on and, you know, do some stuff around the energies that were were brought up and the different spirits that were brought up in this, like, really powerfully emotional work. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you so much, and it was wonderful to have you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So let me let me introduce you to our audience, and we can just get right into the conversation. Um, so Lindsay Michelle uh, Crumbin, or is it? So or Lindsay, is there... yeah, Lindsay Crumbine. Lindsay Crumbine. Crumbine. Oh, it's a long yeah. name. Crumbine, long eye. Okay, <laughs> director, <laughs> costume designer, sound designer, carpenter. She is like everything. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you if you see it in the theater, Lindsay probably had her finger in it. Um <laughs> uh she found a gritty city rep in January just wow, um eight years ago, right? So you have yep. almost having a ten year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. It has been a minute now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and you produced and directed 24 shows with talented youth performers since 2002. Um, Gritty City Rep theatrical credits include New Word Disorder, Play Fight, Reentry, uh, Fuji, After Juliet, Caught Up, Anonymous, uh, with brackets around Y-M-O-U-S. Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Macbeth, The Comedy of Errors, Much to Do, Much Ado About Nothing, and The Tempest, um, Crumbian, Crum, no, not Crumbine, M, not E, Crumbine, thank you, Crumbine, um, served as education director for San Francisco Playhouse from 2009 to 2014, and coaches beginning teachers throughout the East Bay. She currently builds educational curriculum for NCTC. Yeah, that's New NCTC. Conservatory Theater Center in San Francisco. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, right there on um, the yeah. Van Ness. And trains their teaching artists. You're so busy. Like, how do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> as well as recently launching the Hive Project. The Hive Project is so cool, you know, having an opportunity to um, to have a conversation with other theater um, uh, um, people who are, who are also in the, in the theater members, uh, audience members afterwards to sort of unpack what we just experienced. That was nice. Um, and uh, the High Project is a cutting-edge audience lab in collaboration with Crowded Fire Theater and Ubuntu Theater Project. And um, and you're in the really new space. It's like really nice, the Flax Building. It's like, oh, that is now your your home, right? That is now our home. Yes, we uh, mm-hmm. we are in collaboration with Ubuntu. So the actual theater space, Ubuntu rented and built out, mm. and then what the audience didn't get to see was that we rented an 1,100 square foot space across the building and turned it into a rehearsal studio and office and storage space with like a beautiful sprung floor that's great for dancing and physical theater. And then we also use it as a green room, which Ubuntu does as well. So we just have a a sharing model where I get to have my shows in their theater and they get to use our studio for their green room and rehearsals and we just oh. we just share. So it's pretty exciting. Nice. Nice, yeah. And then Robert Page is also playwright for this particular work. You all co-wrote it. Uh, and you're yeah. also the assistant director of the theater. So, wow, nice, yeah. nice. And you are a 25-year-old Oakland native. 
Yeah, you're so young, 25 years old. Like, really? Okay. So you got a long way to go. Like, you know, yeah. like many roads to travel. Like, 25? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, how many more well, plays well, are in you, you Robert? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. A lot. Yeah. I say a yeah, lot. Yeah, I, I really like Caught Up. Caught Up was awesome. And, you know, this one thank here you, is, you. like, equally riveting. Black Salt. Oh, my goodness. Um, you first performed with Gritty City Theater in the original version of Caught Up in 2014. And then... Um, yeah. Um, you also performed in Gritty City Rep Show's Macbeth, New World Disorder, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Caught Up, um, both of them, <laughs> uh, the 2018 right. version, which you co-wrote, and The Taming of the Shrew. Um, and and now um, uh, you are co-writer on Black Salt. And um, you are excited, you write, to shift from performer to assistant directorial role. You have to tell us sort of like, how does that feel, you know, sort of expanding, you know, the width of your head. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good. I mean, I get to see, I guess one of the things that was kind of, um, you know, a revelation was how, how how tedious, like, directing can be and how, how difficult it also can be. Um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, the joy from it. You know, I, I was used to being on the acting side, so you know, I got to do all the rehearsing and and uh, you know preparing. Um, now I get to um, be more like hands-on with uh, assistant folks and um, you know diving deep into their characters um, mm-hmm. and like rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal to you know make sure everything's right for the for the audience that we deliver and everything well. So it's a it, it was a, I'm still learning. I'm going to say that. I'm definitely still learning. Lindsay's uh, a great mentor for that. So thank you, Lindsay. Oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, so tell us about, you know, the name of this play, Black Salt, you know, which is about, you know, um, a lot of things, um, you know, police, use of excessive force, you know, um, you know, people uh, see um, – people um of latin american ancestry you know who are here mm-hmm. um and um you know doing very well and it's also about artists and it's about sort of the struggle you know of a person whose partner is um you know sort of being looked at as you know um using excessive force and killing, you know, this this young person. Um, so anyway, I just wonder if you could talk about, you know, the title Black Salt, you know, sort of that, that analogy, and, and, and why, Robert, I read that you wanted to write about police violence in Oakland. <laughs> so I wonder if you could you know, yeah. talk about just sort of like, you know, why you wanted to focus on that and then how you and, and Lindsay, you know, went about writing this, this work because it's, 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 it's a it's a look at um you know the topic um you know police violence in a way that I don't think um we've seen before. Right. Well, that's pretty great to hear. I mean, I think I think for both Robert and myself it feels important to address some real issues 
in the right. work without creating like a quote unquote issues play. Like, like we're both interested in human experience and the ways in which people from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, struggle with difficult questions and, and moral conundrums. And so it, this felt like a way to, like, as you said, you know, Rob brought up police brutality, police violence right away, but then we still wanted this to be very character driven, right? Because mm-hmm. for me, when I see work, the reason I care about it is because I care about the people, you know, and they're fallible and they have strengths and weaknesses and struggles and and really watching a character go through something and not really having good answers necessarily and having to navigate a problematic situation is what pulls me in and where I can empathize and connect regardless of if our personal experiences are super different. So I think that was a really big thing in terms of our process was continually dialing down sort of a more action-based plot and digging into what the, what the family is, what the characters were going through and keeping that the focus. And we would have moments where it would be like a little feel like we were going in a direction that was a little too, you know, action movie based. And then we'd pause and say, do we really need that scene? Maybe not. And, and just really stay focused on the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think one of the other reasons, like, I mean, of course, police brutality is like a huge um, issue across our country, um, but definitely in Oakland. And um, mm-hmm. when I think back on, like, what kind of got me, because um, I also community organized um, as a full-time job uh, with Urban Peace Movement, and what kind of got me involved in that was, um, the the unfortunate shooting of Oscar Grant, um, and it so that kind of, that was something that stuck with me, and it it was something that kind of like carried throughout the country of uh, a bunch of incidents of police, um, you know, brutality on folks of color, um, and then you know I I feel like just like Lynn said, we was really like looking at like depth of characters, you know what I mean, and not just um, we weren't just focused on like, um, yeah, the issue of police brutality, but how do we like wholly address these issues? I mean, I think one of the other things is like, um, you know, people, people, we all are people, whether it's a police officer, whether it's, um, um, a fighter fighter, whether it's, a uh, a teacher whatever, you know what I mean? Like what's the, what's the issues and, and how do we relate these issues in a, in a real way? You know, and also looking at just these sort of ripple effects, Um, you know, if you recall, we had this social media-based scene in the Mm -hmm. play um, where we were really trying to address the ways in which, you know, social media can make things really black and white and people feel very comfortable chiming in and making these decisive statements about situations that they may know very little about 
and like posing all these different possibilities and scenarios, whereas actually, you know, situations are often much too complicated to be reduced to to these little sound bites. And then, of course, you know, we get news about stuff and it's like the thing and it's big and it's loud and everybody is like, blah, 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 water cooler. And then it's just done. And we move on to the next thing. But of course, the families who have dealt with whatever trauma or tragedy or crisis are still dealing with it. And so I think one of the things we wanted to look at is like the aftermath. Once the the initial fervor has died down, you know, what is actually happening behind closed doors for the people who have been traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't get a chance to see the actual um, policemen who, um, who shoots um, the 15 year old uh, young person. So we don't actually get a chance to see how he's processing any of this because we only meet him once before um, they hear the gun shots and he, you know, pursues uh, what he runs to the scene and then he shoots the kid. Um, yeah, I was wondering um, what what the decisions were around around that, not letting us see um, what the policeman felt who did it. Since we're talking Rob, about we're you all people. You want, yeah. you want to take that one, Rob, or me? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I don't mind. Um, okay. And you could just, you could chime in, of course, if you want. Okay. okay. Um, well, I think one of the things um, was, I, uh, I think we didn't want to kind of, I think a lot of times what happens in our in our community is that with these issues, as you we highlighted in the play, a lot of times like you know the police officers get off or um you know there's the blue wall of silence um and and things like that that kind of resound through our uh communities uh we didn't wanna uh, perpetuate the idea of um um if it was the victim's fault or it was this person's fault we didn't really wanna put lay blame on any individual um so we actually kind of sorry i got my baby with me. we actually kind of okay. felt it better to leave that up to the audience to interpret around what it is that um that these folks that that person could be going through or you know what i mean we want to highlight um his partner someone that was there who also is dealing with it um mm-hmm. but in a in a different way I don't know if you want to add more to that. Yeah, well, and I think another conversation I recall us having is that neither of us felt equipped to authentically write Mm. that scene. Like, and, you know, the depth of, we did do a lot of community interviews, but the depth of research and interviews we would have had to do, I think, to talk to people who had been involved in officer-involved shootings, it just felt a little beyond what we could take on. And, and one of the things that we both work really hard at is not writing outside of 
our lived experience and outside of our purview to a point that feels unauthentic. Um, I, I would also say, you know, the, the name of the officer is Officer White. You know, it, it, it was an <laughs> actor of color in a white face mask. So that mm-hmm. was the one character that was very much an archetype. And mm. that was purposeful that, you know, which is a statement, you know, about white police officers, which, you know, I'm sure lots of people have varied opinions on that, but we were expressing a point of view mm-hmm. um, and a criticism with, uh, with that choice. So, but we also uh, yeah. did interview a lot of police officers of color and, you know, had some really interesting conversations about the individuals versus the system and the politics mm. of policing and the difficulty of trying to go into policing as a member of like in your own community, like as a person of color grow, who grew up in Oakland and then wanting to do a good job. And then a lot of the real struggles to do that because of systemic changes that we all know are needed in policing. So I think in that way, we were really trying to humanize Mila and not like excuse the problems in, in the police department, but like look at an individual who is not just like a bad cop, but finds herself in this situation where she really doesn't quite know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have, um, you have some dream scenes where you have um you know these these um police officers in white face um haunting you know Mila because yeah you know she she you know definitely is like okay do I defend my partner um or do I tell the truth about what I witnessed and right. um yeah yeah and so a lot of questioning around around allegiance and and then it's really really beautiful to see the support that her family has, um, you know, having a police a person in the family that wants to be a police officer, and then having a person in the family that is a police officer, that you know, you know, while while she's basically still a r- rookie, or he's what's the pronoun for uh, for Mila? She. She okay. Um, yeah. Is is still a. Um, a rookie, you know, has has this um this this uh killing, you know, take place, you know, on her watch with her partner. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then her cousin, um, her sister really, um, who she grows up with <laughs> is is uh, an activist and supporting um people, a lot of people, you know, uh, in the community, young people, um I think that's uh, Jordan, right? Who um yes. Who who've been on the other side of that, who have experienced, you know, police violence and other types of social violence, you know, whether that it's um, you know, employment or education or, you know, or whatever, you know. So it's like, ah. So, you know, you really have you sort of really up the ante <laughs> with with, you know, the disc- discourses between the various um 
folks that are in the conversation. And then we, you know, bring in, um, you know, the uh, the victim and his brother, you know, uh, Giovanni, the elder brother, and um, and then is it Aspiri Dion? Is that yeah, Espiridion or Spiri? Right. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about these family dynamics because in the program you don't give us like, okay, this is the first scene and this is the second scene. So I'm like, okay, I'm trying to remember how things <laughs> sort of rolled out <laughs> and not doing a great job remembering. Rob, I mean, you wrote you wrote all the scenes with Mila's family. Do you want to talk about that yeah. dynamic a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think it's no it's no mystery. Like, um, you know, a lot of the uh, stigma that black families have around um, uh, policing um, in general. Um, and I was, uh, like, like I mentioned, I was community organizing um, pretty much, you know, since high school. Um, and, my, you know, a lot of it I put from, like, my personal experience as well as, you know, experiences that I've had shared with me from others around um, takes on uh, policing. And um, so as I developed characters like uh, Jordan, um, I just really tried to dig from the root of um, how folks who are, who were victims of police brutality, who were victims of, like you said, a lot of these social injustices, um, how they would come to feel like a loved one who's who's kind of just diving into the system, into a system that they feel like kind of perpetuates their oppression, um, how they would authentically feel in regards to that. Um, so I think it it also, like, as me, and me and Lizzie kind of co-developed Mila. Um, it also was, like, uh, an interesting dynamic for Mila, too, being, a, you know, a person I was raised in that type of family and making this deliberate choice to be a police officer. Um so yeah, it was um I would it actually wasn't too much of like a challenge developing these characters, but it was more so what is the what is the root of uh the essence of what they want or their purpose, um in these interactions, you know what I mean? Or you know, um Yeah. What one of the things that I was really impressed with in terms of Rob's writing, um was the Uncle Joe character who mm-hmm. in in a scene later in the play sits with his daughter and really drops a lot of wisdom. And I felt that um you know, it's tough I think to write scenes like that and not be heavy handed. And I thought Rob was able to really strike a great balance of using that scene to build the relationship between the father and the daughter and really show their closeness and the way they interact with each other, but to also do some, just get some real truths out there about, you know, what, this black family has experienced and just in the broader black community. And I was just really impressed with his use of the, this uncle, this older black male voice of wisdom 
and it just the way he was able to articulate some really heavy core beliefs in the play and yet still keep it in the voice of the character and not feel too heavy handed. So I don't know how you felt about that scene, Wanda, um, but I always really love that scene. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because because they, they, they were sisters and and this this um you know, this particular incident was you know, was was coming into the house and and sort of um sundering, you know, the great relationship that they had and so he just needed to remind, you know, his daughter of of who, you know, you know, her sister cousin is and so that she wouldn't let the politics of it divide them apart, you know, because sometimes, you know, we yeah. get sort of caught up in the politics and forget, you know, the human being. And so he was just like, just had to like, oh, and she remembered like, oh, this, yeah, I remember, you know, like us being in bed together, us getting in trouble together, us having fun together. And and then they talked about the, the saying that they had, what, what was that saying that they have about the plate or something? Oh. Don't let nothing come between y'all except the dinner plate. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Mhm. And and what was really Rob, nice that about from that scene. Where'd you get that, Rob? Say it again, Lynn. Did you get that from? Was that from your childhood? Where did you get that? <laughs> it it actually was. We had a kind of like a similar saying, but um, so I just. It wasn't exactly from my childhood, but I had a saying that that kind of went exactly the same, just around the idea that, you know, when we step outside, then we have to come together. We can't show no division. We Only time we address the uh, real issues with each other is, is behind closed doors. We want we want to we want to be unified when we you know step out into um, step inside, step outside the door, step outside the house. We are unified teams. Um, so that was like a childhood belief that my grandma kind of engraved in us. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I like that, you know, um, Uncle Joe was, you know, he was real loving. Um, he, he kept on telling his daughter to come sit down, <laughs> come sit closer. <laughs> like, you know, it was like he wasn't going to start until they were in proximate, you know, proximate to one another. Like he could touch her, she could touch him, right? And yeah. there was no distance, and so that was like he had like you know set set the parameters like okay, and then and I like that you know she respected her father, and and did exactly what he said you know and he she listened even though she didn't want to hear it, and uh-huh. and then you know and you could see her kind of like melting the energy like dissipating, and, and to the point where like okay well and then and then that great scene when she went. You know, Jordan went to her cousin Mila, and and they had their conversation, and so yeah, it was all like had all these sort of like moments of dissolve, even even between uh, Mila and her her girlfriend. You know, who who was her girlfriend? What was her name? June. June, June right? Yeah, Aya Dominique. Yeah, these actors. You know, um, uh, was it? Um, how do you pronounce? Uh, Nigel Nigel Waterman. Waterman as Mila. Yeah, she's awesome. I remember her from other other plays. She was great. And um and then um 
Aya Dominique and as as June, and then Zaria Stanton as Jordan, and then Esau Mayor Robbins Bilal as Uncle Joe. I mean, you know, um, uh, Jonathan uh, Mejia uh, Navita, and he said that this is his, was his first first play, it right? Was. As Giovanna, like he just killed concert? it. Like what? Yeah. Well, that, you know, I just really appreciated the dynamic between the brothers. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought both those actors, Isaac Infante and Jonathan Mejia Naveda, really went to some deep, beautiful, emotional places with kind of almost a surprising ease. Like, they were just ready for it. They got real comfy with each other. And, you know, it was interesting because after Jonathan, night after Jonathan's family came and saw the show, I asked him, you know, how they felt about it. And he said that his older brother cried multiple times. Um, And that just this idea of being left alone together and that if he found himself in this situation. So I really appreciated that. You know, I've been a teacher for a really long time and worked – mostly with uh, populations dealing with poverty um, and which of course we all know brings a a ton of other issues and uh, I think one of the most profound and painful things that I learned early in my teaching career is that often there is just no good answer and there is just not a solution that you can provide no matter how bad you want to um, which might sound obvious, but you know, I started teaching in my twenties and was just. So are are you? Excuse me. Is excuse for a second, Lindsay. Um, is is someone driving or something? I I hear like. Or oh, sorry. Okay, there. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll mute my phone. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Um. Yeah, and I just, you know, I wanted to illustrate, you know, when Giovanni is talking with his counselor. You know, mm-hmm. and she's trying to support his aspirations, but he also has these realities of family obligation that are very we- real, and they're just, you can brainstorm, but, like, often <laughs> there's just not much you can do. And mm-hmm. I just think it's important to recognize that, you know, people do get stuck in these situations through no fault of their own where they are not able to access opportunities regardless of talent and work ethic and drive and aspiration, you know, because mm-hmm. Giovanna is going to prioritize his brother. Mm-hmm. And right. which hurts, right? Which hurts and he gets mad, but like ultimately his family is the most important thing, you know? So Mm-hmm. And I think for all the characters, right? That's really yes. one of the threads mm-hmm. that runs through the play. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose you could talk a little bit about um, the uh, um, maybe since we're talking about members of the cast, um, um, maybe you could talk a little bit more about about these wonderful actors. You know, some of them veterans with Gritty City. And then I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, the art, because, you know, you bring in some really famous um, Mexican artists 
um, muralist even, um, you know, uh, Rufino Tamayo, you know, he's like, you know, he's iconic, <laughs> you know, 1899 yeah. to 1991. Um, and, and then you've got Jose Guadalupe uh, Posada, 1852 to 1913. So it's like, you know, you bring in like these historic presents of, of you know, sort of, um, of, you know, Mexican, Mexicano artists and art and with it, the history. Um, and and then, you know, sort of the decision to, um, you know, to look at um, police brutality and excessive use of force through multiple lens, but, the, you know, the person who was killed is not a person of African descent, you know. It's a person of, you know, uh, Latino or Mexican descent, so it's like a difference there, um, and so so you're able to like so they're like all these multiple levels of conversation that we're having um, around you know this incident. Yeah. Um, so the ensemble this season is very exciting uh, about half new half a veteran ensemble members. So Naja and Zaria started with us as sophomores in high school, and they're both seniors about to graduate and both interested in majoring in performing arts in college, um, mm. which is pretty exciting. Uh, Aya Dominique is a senior at Mills finishing her theater degree. So she just nice. presented her thesis and. Uh, directing and performing, which actually Rob and I were both able to go check out at Mills, which was pretty exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan is brand new this year. He's a recent graduate of UC Santa Cruz and mm-hmm. had always been interested in acting, but just never gotten into it and clearly is such a natural and so talented. And so we're just thrilled to have him on board and even though he's a new actor, he just brings a level of maturity and, you know, skilled communication that made him just a total dream to work with. Uh, Esau is a, Rob, Esau's a junior, right? Yeah. Esau's a junior at Street Academy in Oakland and is just such a brilliant young man and just brings like his family is super social justice oriented and he's just been engaging in all kinds of community arts and community activism, I think since he was a little boy. And so, mm-hmm. you know, his lens and his just whole vibe. And he's also, this is his second year with us. And I just think his, his skills have grown by leaps and bounds, um, which is exciting to see. Uh, Isaac, who plays Espiridion, the little brother, is actually uh, um, studying at Merit right now um, in criminal Mm -hmm. justice and is interested Mm. in becoming a police officer. So, you know, it's like, Uh yeah, right? And so, Mm. um, and then we've got Jules, Gabby, who played Adela. They're brand new. We've got Noah, who played the cop and also played Uncle Leek and, you know, is right now in the process of applying to the performing arts school at Stanford. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we've got a real powerhouse cast. Kelly E., who played the trumpet in the show, you know, goes mm-hmm. from playing a super queer character with all kinds of insane comedic timing to playing the district attorney, super harsh and stern. You know, I thought for a junior in high school that he does really amazing character work and is getting better all the time. Diana Gomez is new this year. This is her first show with us. She was fantastic. Um, Joy Knighton also is a graduate of UC Santa Cruz, but in the theater program and had been with us in past years and came back to do this show. Um, God, Rob, am I forgetting anyone? I hope not. <laughs> Gabby? Gabby? Yep, I said Gabby, who played Adela. Um, the counselor is brand new. She's our youngest. She's a sophomore in I mean, high Zalicia. school. I mean, Zalicia. That's a Ray. Yeah, oh, and Zalicia is fantastic. Well, Zalicia worked with Robert at um, at CSJ, right, Rob? Yeah, at California Suggested. Yeah, and so she came to us through that connection and is just like, has the most amazing spirit played Art Ray to a T. Um, she was good. <laughs> yeah. So we just have a we just have a really strong squad. And some of the young folks that came out and saw the show are excited to audition on Tuesday. Oh, so I think we're gonna get a few new folks because a few of our um University age folks are not able to perform in the spring show because of just, you know, school conflict. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I forget your other question. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I excited talking about the ensemble. Yeah. Um, about you know, sort of um, you know, bringing in you know DACA and the Dreamers and and having, you know, the crime happen, you know, the killing happen. In, in a community outside of the black community, which is, you know, sort of, it's what's expected, you know, that a black right. youth is killed or a black person is killed, um, but you all switch it up. So, yeah, well, so we have these multiple um, conversations happening, um, you know, it's, black Well, and I think that's mm-hmm. really the point, right, is mm-hmm. to just, um, and and just in doing research, uh there is a there is a bit of an issue with such crimes going like underreported in terms of the media and not as highlighted and i think because of a lot of fears around ice and the you know just how bad things are the current climate around immigration around lack of documentation you know, folks are frightened to be as vocal. And, you know, certainly people in the Latinx community are being targeted by police, are more likely to be arrested, go to prison, be shot and killed, um, very similarly to uh, African-American folks. So, yeah, we thought that that would really add some depth to the play and allow us to broaden the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and then I mentioned, you know, the art and the soundtrack is really awesome too. Oh, so Chris Granillo is the painter 
who did the projected mural that was supposedly Espiritu Dion's work. So Chris Granillo, got a Mm. plug for him for sure. He's an amazing muralist. I actually met Chris because he painted a mural in our new studio um, Mm. through Dragon School. So he was a volunteer with them and came to do a gorgeous mural for us. And we needed this strong visual art um, and really wanted a Mexican painter, a a Chicano, Mexican-American painter, you know, who knew Rufino Tamayo, who knew Jose Guadalupe Posada, who, you know, came from those cultural traditions um, and had grown up familiar with these artists. And so he also did the sketchbook, you know, Mm. which was a real labor of love. Yeah, so Chris did the sketchbook and the Coyote mural for us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which I thought was such beautiful work. So he is really fantastic. And I know he does other mural work in San Francisco and in Oakland. And, you know, he definitely has a presence on social media. So any folks who are interested in that fantastic art should look up Chris Granillo on G-R-A-N-I-L-L-O on Instagram and all that stuff. He's, he's really fantastic and was so generous with us. Yeah, he was really great to work with. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I yeah. think you were saying, oh, look at this little booklet, like our playbill. It was so informative. That's one thing we always strive to do is – you know, provide some really good, interesting information around the play that people can take away with them and hopefully learn about something new. I mean, I would imagine a bunch of our audience members had, were not familiar with those two painters, you know, Mm -hmm. but then they learn something and maybe during the play, not everybody gets certain references, but then they can look back and be like, oh, that's what that was. And, you know, Mm-hmm. Just garner some knowledge. So it's a fun, right. it's a fun way to mm-hmm. just provide some information for people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the soundtrack. Um. That. I mean. We just sort of discussed a particular vibe. The play sounded really moody and bluesy <laughs> to us, but with that sort of hip hop. Baseline underneath for Oakland, and so that's what that's what we went for. Mm-hmm. I just do lots of yeah. searching. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you are all kind of known. Well, we've talked before about you know sort of the soundtrack is it's real intentional, and 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 once again, you know, you got it. Very nice. Thank um, you. Wish wish that it was listed in here, like what we're listening to, so then we could call it up and play it ourselves. You know, if it's <laughs> well, uh, not original I music. I make a playlist, and anyone who wants it can just email me, and I'll share it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I want to email it to email. I want to see your playlist. I want your playlist. Okay, cool. I will definitely give you my playlist, Wanda. <laughs> cool, yeah. And um, and so um, for this weekend, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, how do people get tickets? So not on Sunday. We close Saturday night. Um, oh, you're not going to have an extension? Friday and oh. Saturday. Um, yes, yeah, Friday and Saturday are sold out. 
Tonight we still have about 20 tickets left. We're really hoping they go in the next five hours. Uh, People can go online to www.grittycityrep.org. And also my email is grittycityrep at gmail. And I got discount codes. We try and do, you know, radical access. We've got super cheap tickets. We've got general admission tickets. We want, we want to fill seats. So, you know, whatever folks' capacity is, come on down. Uh, usually we do have some releases for no-shows, like you were saying, Wanda. So if folks can't come out tonight but can only come Friday or Saturday, definitely come try at the door. We're in the Flax building at 1501 Martin Luther King Jr. Way at 15th um, through the back parking lot. And, uh, yeah, please come on down, especially tonight. Help us fill it up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and there is a parking lot. We have sold out the whole run, which is always a pretty awesome thing to claim. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's really great. <laughs> have you have you have you been selling out all of your your um like when you have a run? Do you sell out generally? Uh, sometimes, but not always. Not always. Oh, okay. We should. We should. But mm-hmm. it's it's tough, you know. People people wait till the last minute, or you know, forget, or whatever. But. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of competition too. Always lots of events going on. So. Mhm. Yeah. 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 So you've got you've got like these images of angels and um, uh, and returning spirits and things like that. Um, so I was wondering once again to ask you about you know this whole idea of black salt, and and where it is, um, in in the work and where it is, in in the actual physical space that we're we're occupying for for the play. Well, I mean, to me, I think it's it's like the way that people engage with their families and are seeking mm-hmm. out protection and understanding, you know, to get past these difficult dark places. Mm-hmm. Um I also think if you if you look at the definition of black salt, this is sort of the scrapings from the barrel that are Mm -hmm. rich and sort of the most flavorful, but, you know, come from a place that is often not the most ideal, right? So I think for me, it's kind of the ways in which these really hard, painful situations shape us, but can also kind of refine our self-knowledge and our sort of own ways of looking at the world and living in a way that's really true to ourselves, right? But that the process is painful and hard. Should we have dishes of it around the theater, Wanda? Yes, yes, particularly in the four corners. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have to think about and that. Invite, invite, invite your audience to, you know, to, to take a little pinch. I love that. Let me see yeah, what I can yeah. do. Yeah, we 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 need it because 
There, there are too many gunshots going off. Like every time we turn around, and then, and then in that, mo- that um, uh, the scene—I don't know what you call the scene. You could tell me the name of it. And I love the way it was set up, where you have these people on these shelves, <laughs> and that's just like, oh my gosh, that is just so awesome. And then, and then you have um, these scenes, like what's going on in mo- in the. Um, in in technology are are actually visually created, you know, right there in the space and you bring in people from the audience, but ultimately somebody is dying over and over and over again. And that's what happens in the media, right? You just see it's on replay. And it's like, yep. oh my God. It's it's just a bit too much. Um so yeah, we need some black salt. You got it. So we can so we it. can leave it. You leave the trauma <laughs> and just hold on yeah. to, you know, the family, you know, that has lost, you know, in, in the case of, um, you know, the brothers. Um, but but actually, um, you know, the brother remains. He's still there, but he's just transformed into another. And that's really beautiful, the, the, the connection between spirit and the present. It's just so tangible, like the way it is on stage, but it's it's tangible for real. But the way those scenes are just so awesome. I mean, really, really, really awesome. All the writing, they're just so beautiful. And, and like um, the actor's brother, I was just like, oh, man, I was just tearing up. I had my tissue <laughs> in yeah. my pocket. Yeah, it was just really, really beautiful because it was so sad. But then he was there, you know, in a lot of ways talking to his brother, and they were joking. He'd laugh, and then he'd look around. It was just really, really awesome. Like, oh, did I just imagine this? Where'd he go? Yeah. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's, like, amazing to hear your reactions. <laughs> I really appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 We Robert, actually had do you have a any, any... We had a student matinee on uh, on mm. Tuesday, and yeah. um, we had two, actually, but for the morning matinee, a big class from Oakland Tech came, and I want to give a plug to their uh, Social Justice Academy because mm-hmm. they came with, like, 55 people, and they asked 55. if, um, wow. yeah, teacher Catherine Coleman, who's just a total rock star, and she asked if they could stay for 20 minutes afterwards in the theater to have a discussion, and I mm-hmm. sat in there and eavesdrop on it, and boy, these young people were just, I mean, they loved the show, but they're just critical thinking around it and the depth of their commentary and sort of their personal experience connections, and boy, it was just really wonderful to see that level of engagement um, and this academy that's clearly doing great work and these students were just in it and making all of these thoughtful, super reflective, super intelligent comments. And it just made me think, you know, go Oakland schools. I know we got some Mm -hmm. issues, but there's also some really amazing stuff going on. And of course, just always amazing young people. So Mm -hmm. we love to get squads like that out to see this kind of work. Mm, I mean, that's where you went, Rob. That's your alma mater, Oakland Tech. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is. That's the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. 
and where you got your start in theater. Yeah, exactly. That's where I actually met Lindsay. Oh, wow. And that's where I, really? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> right, great yeah. to have that connection. Nice. Right. Nice. Yeah. A lot of ties. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Any, um, any closing thoughts, Robert? And um, I know you already know what you all are doing next, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely still working and writing. Lizzie's definitely still pushing um, pushing me to do a lot of writing. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, I just want to uh, thank you for having us on the show and, and coming out and really giving uh, thorough feedback. We spent a lot of time to develop um, the characters and to um, kind of tackle this issue um, in, a, in a way that we feel like was authentic. Um, mm-hmm. So I, we really appreciate just folks coming out and, and and just sitting with it through the tears and the laughter and all of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. And and have you had um, members of um, Oakland PD come through um, as, as a group um, or anything to sort of experience the work since, you know, you mentioned – um, how you had all of these, um, you did all these interviews, so a lot of community members know, you know, about the play. Have you had any um, any any visits from, you know, the antagonist side? <laughs> uh, actually, um, one of my friends from high school, um, who we actually interviewed, who I did do theater with at Tech, um, is um, uh, on the force. And he actually came through for a show. Um, nice. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And we've got another we've got another group coming on closing night, who are part mm-hmm. of our interview process. Um, you know, I have thought about, and Rob and I had talked about reaching out to OPD, but then Rob, you remember that conversation we had with your activist friends? That night, so we were we were talking about it, and we got some feedback from another activist who said, you know, you want to think a little bit about who your right. audience is, right. who your yeah. typical audience is, your loyal, gritty city audience is, and what their interactions might be with the police. And right. who you might be re-traumatizing by having a group of cops in mm. the theater. Right. And right. that was not something that had even remotely occurred to me, I must admit. Mm-hmm. And when she said it, I thought, you know, if we want to do this, we probably got to do a lot more work, you know, to make sure that we're holding space in a safe way for all kinds of people. And it just felt like something that was a little beyond what we had capacity to tackle while getting mm-hmm. the show up, um, right. you know, while right. already wearing so many hats. And so although we definitely invited all the folks that were directly involved, I didn't do like a general outreach to OPD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking um, it's it's probably too late for this particular run, but I was thinking that would have been a, probably a good idea for a special 
performance, you know how you're doing it for the young people, for the school age, exactly. for school. Yeah. That that would have worked for like just them. <laughs> yep. And, and, no, and absolutely. Then that, absolutely. And mm-hmm. generate yeah. critical some critical discussion around exactly. that in a way that other folks mm-hmm. wouldn't have been triggered. So you know mm-hmm. what, Wanda, I just need a little more staff. I need some like oh. community outreach staff. Oh, hey, I'm interested. Give me an application. (laughs) 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 Oh, maybe we could do a trade. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great to me. Let's have lunch and talk about it. (laughs) Okay, that'll work. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I want to congratulate you, you know, Gritty City uh, rep, um, on on your new space. It's... It's just awesome. Um, I love I love the tears, <laughs> like you know, um, you know, in not the tears, but the, um, the I don't know what do you call it with the risers. Yeah, and I'm like, whoa, look at look at the Flex Theater. Like it's like it looks like a theater theater. I mean, like yes. risers. Like oh my god. Like whoa, where did this? When did this happen? <laughs> That happened, like, hustling for about 40 hours in the month before the show. That's when that happened, Wanda. Impressive. Myself and our artistic director, Alex, actually built those because our master carpenter hurt his back right before he was supposed to start building them. So I actually built those risers, Wanda, with Alex Trono, who was running the light board. (laughs) Wow, wow. That's amazing. but yeah. wasn't it a great view? Yes, yes. It's it's you know, when when there are risers, you're like, I'm in a theater. I mean, you know, when there are seats, you know, on one level, you know, maybe it's a salon. But <laughs> when there are risers, you know, um, you know, like this is a this is a theater theater, like, whoa, like it's official. So anyway. I love yeah. it. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> it was a labor of love, but I totally agree, and I want everyone to be able to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you can. It's very nice, and they're sturdy, <laughs> even though we had oh, journeyman yeah. carpenters, right? <laughs> <laughs> they weigh about yeah. a jillion pounds each, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, thank you so much, and and Robert, thank you and your baby. Wow. Um, so quiet now. Is is your baby sleeping? Oh no, I just kept meeting it. She wasn't. She wasn't that quiet. <laughs> oh. She's <laughs> up. She just got the patch dryer in now because she's silly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let's tell. Is is it a girl? Yeah, oh, it boy. is. Her name is Rihanna. Rihanna, we'll tell Rihanna. Yeah. Thank you so much for letting letting your dad, you know, participate in the conversation. We appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Well, good luck on the rest of your run, and I look forward to um, you know seeing your next work. And yeah, let's talk, uh, Lindsay, about outreach. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you. We'll definitely be in touch. Thank you so much for coming out and inviting us on. It's always a wonderful conversation, Wanda. Thank you so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. You have a good rest of the day, both of you. You too. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Peace and blessings. 
So we're going to close out with Adimu Majun. We mentioned him, Wolf Hawk Jaguar. Uh, since we talked about Prosperity Movement uh, as one of the sponsors of the um, the upcoming um, tour of Roots 2000 um, in the Bay, one uh, I was thinking about, well, let me just play Prosperity Movement just in case you don't remember it. How do I attain the lifestyle that I want to lead? Prosperity. Abundance. 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 We want it in abundance. Prosperity movement. Prosperity movement. Blessings are now. This is a prosperity movement. Time has come, the time is now. A movement of the people and a movement of like minds. The everlasting coconut tree has been found. The prosperity movement is now, leaving lower level chakra sounds. Ascending to the highest points on the crown. The crown is already bought and paid for. Put it on, it's activated now. Now behind the veil, removing the illusions, redefining wealth. Wrote it on the wall, we define wealth, and so it is. The beauty, the high animal spirits, songs of prosperous moments, so the gods that hear it. Be grateful, follow your bliss, use rituals of gratitude. How do I attain the lifestyle that I want to lead? Prosperity, abundance, abundance, abundance. We want it in abundance. Thank you. 
So that was the Prosperity Movement. And I want to remind folks that tonight um, the film Sneak Preview, We Cry Power in San Francisco tonight at the Redstone Building, 2640 16th Street, 6 to 8 p.m. There's going to be a discussion following the one-hour uh, screening of the work in progress, We Cried Power, which looks at the um, uh, the um, poor people's movement um, inspired by uh, Dr. King's Poor People's um, March and um, which happened after he passed, and the Poor People's Movement, which is uh, took his inspiration from um, the Moral Mondays and sort of um, now leading up to the June 20th, 2020 March on Washington where people are going to be telling more of their stories. But this is um, uh, Dr. Um, Pastor um, William Barber, and uh and uh, pastor Theo Harris. Um and so anyway, the film screening is free 6 to 8 and again is at the Redstone Building 2640 16th Street in San Francisco and I'm sure you can access it. Um through the uh uh on BART and uh, and again the director uh Dara Kell was on my show yesterday um morning. So Wanted to leave you with that, and uh, tomorrow we're going to be playing a rebroadcast of one of our shows. I haven't decided yet which one, but it's going to be great. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm babysitting tomorrow, so I won't be able to have a live show. So you take good care. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of Wanda's Picks. Peace and blessings. <laughs>